We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? I'm a little too happy after a loss. I should I should cry, but how do I not be happy after a game like that? All right, I'm going to save it. Um, welcome to another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Thrilled that you could be with us to start off your week. Um, of course, I'm coming at you on a Monday, which means I am not alone. I am with my esteemed co-host, my better half. Um, he's the brains of the operation. He might be the brawn, too. He always, you know, I know he goes to the gym diligently. So uh, credit credit to him for all of those things. Uh, Jeremy Cohen, hello, sir. Hello. I actually haven't been to a gym in like 11 months. Well, <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> you were the, you used to go to the gym on the regular. I did. Yeah. Now it's it's more home workouts, which it's hard to do, especially when it's this cold out. You don't really yeah. want to go outside. You don't want to do anything. Um, but yeah, that's um, it's a new life. Yeah. I'm pretty proud of myself. I did go for a run earlier today before the game. Very nice. Yeah. It's uh, it was it was something about when you run in, in sub thirty degree temperature. It makes you feel like more of a man, which I'll I'll take any time I can get it. Um, so <laughs> so we have a jam packed show because uh, boy, is there a lot going on in in Nick's land. Um, so the crux of today's episode is going to be we are are we celebrating the two year anniversary? We're acknowledging I, it. We're acknowledging, good, we're acknowledging, acknowledging, acknowledging the two-year anniversary. Two anniversary of the Chris Porzingis trade, and uh, we're going to get into that a little bit. We're also going to introduce, formally introduce, we, we kind of did this last week, um, a new segment on the pod called uh, Progress Report, because we are Nick's Film School, so we're going to give a little progress update on some of the Nick's young players, and boy, is that going to be fun after the game we just saw today. Um, but first, I just want to spend a couple of minutes on the Clipper game that uh, just ended a few minutes ago. If you missed it, um, be sure to check out uh, right on your podcast stream, actually, my reactions after the game. I, I spoke for about 25 minutes, answered some questions. So if you want to hear my full thoughts, um, go there. But uh, Jeremy, we, we came on and uh, well, what did, what, before we started recording, remind me what you said. You were like. I said, we have to open with this. And now, of course, I'm blanking. I said, you know, like the, the one thing that the Knicks will desperately need moving forward is a closer. 
And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that it can't be RJ, it can't be Randall, it can't be Emmanuel quickly. It's just they need one more guy who can be there, put pressure on the defense and be a potent scorer. You know, yes, obviously you want them in towards the end of the game, but it sometimes feels like with the starting backcourt that you have, you're, you know, you're digging yourself into a, a hole or you're not getting ahead of your opponent because the one consistent thing we've seen is the Knicks are great in the first half and then other teams make adjustments in the second half. And it's not that the Knicks can't or don't rather, it's just they don't have the, the talent to leap them to that level where like in a game like today, um, the Clippers are just too good. They, we talk about luck from three point range. I mean, they, they were phenomenal. They shot 17 of 38. Shout out Fetty Wap. Um, I mean, that's just an incredible performance. And 17. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's just you really kind of, just did that. I did. You yeah. really just did that. Yeah, baby. How am I not going to shout out Fetty Wap with that number? I, listen, I don't I get many opportunities to do that. So I'm a massive Fetty Wap. Is there, is there a great. is there a like am I a Wap? Am I a Fetty head? Am I a Wap head? I'm, I'm Italian. So I guess I'm that makes me a Wap, right? Well, I can't say that, but you can. I uh, I did I did just say that. That's fair. That's fine. okay. So I'll, I'll call myself a, a wophead. Um. Anyway, <laughs> Jesus Christ, we're we're off to a rousing start. Yeah. Um. They, no, they need. This was this was a game that to me was, it was maybe the the clearest indication of where the Knicks are slash could be with this roster because I don't think the Knicks could have played this game any better. And like you said, it was just, they're, they're a guy short. Like one team had Kawhi Leonard and the other team didn't. And that was, that was that. And there's no shame in that. Um, but boy, would I have loved to see this version of the Knicks play this game with, uh, you know, pick your guy, Victor Oladipo, Bradley Beal, Zach Levine. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll spend time over the next couple of weeks and months talking about those guys. But yeah, um, I did think I just the only thing I want to echo from what I said already on the on the post game was this felt important. It felt important both for the young, the players that showed up today and did what they did. And we'll get into that during progress report. But it just like to come out there and take the haymakers. And there were a few haymakers from that Clipper team, one after another, after another, and hang in that game until the very end. Just this to me felt like maybe one of those games that we're going to look back on down the line and be like, maybe they turned a corner on that Sunday afternoon. What would you think? Yeah. Again, it's just like the level of effort and competitiveness that they had on a Sunday matinee game, you know, especially after a long road trip. And yes, I mean, they were home for the Cavs game, but that, you know, that was a, a grinder in itself for at least the first half and second half things certainly got better. It's just, it's so funny how things can transpire where it's like, this was a great performance by the Knicks put up 115 points against, I think the, the Clippers are like the fourth best defense. Um, and yet they couldn't even score a hundred in Sacramento against uh, one of the worst defenses of all time. I mean, again, so it's, it's just, you kind of look at these games and, and you take the good with the bad, but again, like this is a, one of those losses where it's like, you want to say there's a silver lining and you're kind of feeling like, well, am I just saying that? But here it genuinely is. It's just, this was a very competitive game. I think if RJ had gotten in a little bit sooner in the fourth quarter, maybe it would have stopped uh, what became some bleeding, but you know, I mean, you could, you could look at a few different things at the end. The Clippers are just the better team. They are an elite team. Um, and it was neck and neck for a while. And then it just wasn't You just have to tip your hat and, and move on to the next game. Yeah. Um, I, 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 you put it really well. I'm not going to, um, belabor the point uh yeah the clippers are eighth in defense by the way and they are um i mean to say that they're third they're third in offense but that doesn't really speak to how 
tough of a matchup they were for the Knicks today because they are not only are they the best shooting team from three in the league this year, the, the, they are on track to become the best three point shooting team in the league has seen in in literally decades. Um, so yeah, I mean, just not, and they were even above that today. So t- you know, tough game. Um, Knicks were a guy short, and that's fine, but. So that's a good transition. Um, so we'll we'll do this quick, and then we'll we'll get to the crux of the show, which is the KP thing. Um, progress report. Before we get there, Jeremy, I'm going to ask you, and I'll I'll give my quick story. Did you have any memorable instances in your life? I did not tell you about this beforehand because I wanted this to be off the cuff, where you got like a report card or something, and or whatever. It's like it stands out in your in your mind. I, I have one that I'll I'll share very quickly. Um, no pun intended. I really can't say that word anymore because now every time I say it, I'm going to think of our, our rookie. Um, I was in eighth grade and uh, I fancied myself a smart lad and I wanted to become, what is it? Valedictorian? What's the top one? Valedictorian. Valedictorian. And I got my, I got my report card and I got a 93. And I remember it. I remember like it was yesterday. I got a 93 in one subject and the rest of what were like, 99s, 98, 100. And it was a competitive school. And I saw that there was another, there was a girl in my class and she had gotten straight 99s and 98s and 100. And I knew at that moment that my dream of being a valedictorian had died. And I cried like a little boy right there in the cafeteria as an eighth grader. It was not one of my finest moments, but I did want to share it because um, I, I, whatever harsh assessments we give in our progress reports from here on in, I want those players, because of course they listen, to feel better about it and just know that at least you're not crying like a, like a, a little wimp um, because you got a 93 in whatever I got a 93 in. So that, that's my progress report story. Do you, do you have any notable ones? God, um, I'm sure I do. I'm trying to think of what, what comes to mind. It could be a happy one. Um, it doesn't have to be a sad one. Sure. You know what? I'll take, I'll take a happy one. So um, in eighth, in ninth grade, okay. first semester of high school, okay. uh, first year of high school, I had to take biology. And for some reason, science and I just, we don't click. We're like water and oil, which is also really, I guess. Yeah. I would, no. I would not have guessed that. Really? No, I'm much more humanities and, and math. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty good at, but not great at, but no, like humanities language, like liberal arts, that stuff's my, my bread and butter. But so for science, I'm really not good. And uh, as you are probably very familiar, John, New York state has the regents exams. And uh, I had to take bio. I was just like, I was doing okay. You know, I I really want to do better, but it was just okay. It was like, I think 80, my first semester I was like, this is not good. I can't do this. And I just worked really hard at it. And then I had to take the bio regents and I just, I hit the books harder than I think I'd ever hit in my entire life. And granted, I was 14, but um, I thought I was going to fail the Regents. Around, I wound up getting a 90 in bio, which hey. was like fantastic for me. And then I got a 90 on my report card. So that's good enough for side, uh, with honors, right? Or advanced Regents diploma, whatever the upper yeah, thing is. Yeah, but, that's yeah, great. Yes, it was eventually. Uh, yeah. So it was great, you know, but like, so on the flip side, that was one of the times where it really felt like I was able to pull myself up. Because in school, I had to, I had this habit of like taking a slight dip, whether it was on purpose or not. And okay. I was like, okay, I got to get out of this hole. And that, that's what motivated me versus like staying, feeling like I was really good and then having to fall. So I got the, the issues out of the way early and then I kind of rebounded from there. So on that note, I believe, 
if I am correct, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, which I'm sure you will. Um, Emmanuel quickly had a game last week, and I'm gonna Andrew's gonna be mad at me because I'm typing as I'm talking, and he could hear the typing, and he doesn't like that. Um, didn't he have a game last week where he went one for ten, or am I, I something around there? He went one for 11. The only reason I'm correcting you is because I actually have his stats up anyway. So that's it's okay. not like I memorized it. So you're good. Okay. So he went, he went one for 11. He's had a couple other. he had a one for 10. That's what I was thinking of. He had a one for 10 game earlier this year. Yeah. He had a one for nine game earlier this year. So he has had some moments like you, Jeremy, where he was, he took that dip. And yet here we are 27 points. 25 minutes, or was it 25 points in 27 minutes, whatever it is. Um, and the ultimate sign of respect, uh, Bobby Marks pointed out on Twitter, a few people pointed out in the stream, the Clippers had to stick Kawhi fucking Leonard on this kid <laughs> at the end of the game. Like, what else do you say, right? What else are you supposed to say? So, I mean, talk about an A+. Um, I... To me, the conversation in, at this point isn't even about what Emmanuel quickly is doing in the games and like dissecting his play, but talking about, I think we need to start talking about, we don't need to get too far into it today, but like what this does for this franchise um, moving forward. But what are your, what are your thoughts? Well, I'd say my first thought is, and I really like LaMelo ball. I do. But one thing that stood out to me was last night, LaMelo scored a career high 27 points. He did it against the bucks. Uh, he was efficient. He also he was had, good. I watched was, some of that game. He was, he was good. great. Um, you know, his assist numbers were there, all these things. He, he really popped. And, you know, I was thinking about how you know, the media made a big deal about it. And rightfully so. Again, this isn't to take away from LaMelo. But then I think about the fact that Emmanuel quickly in three of his last four games has had at least 25 points. <laughs> and it's just astounding because we're talking yeah. about LaMelo Ball, who in some ways was a consensus number one pick who wound up going to three. And you have Emmanuel quickly who was perceived as a second round pick as a reach yep. by some. And he's just absolutely showing and he's popping off. It's incredible. So it's just a joy to watch that where he can just turn it on in the second half. And it comes out of nowhere, even when the three point shot isn't working. Right. Cause like he went two of eight today. It wasn't, it wasn't today. He was missing. Yeah. It was off, but he found other ways to still be an efficient scorer. I mean, 25 points on 16 shots. The, the most, the thing that stood out to me the most probably was that he missed a free throw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I will say like, you know, one thing that I've noticed from watching him is he's got to stop with the jump passes. It's, it, it's something that personally bothers me a lot. It's like, even when I was in baseball, I was told like from some of my earliest memories are don't throw jump passes. I can see I you do doing the jump throws. though. But, I see, but that's why I did it. Oh, it was like, you know, okay. big Jeter fan. So I would do it. And it was like, I would get a ground ball and then I would jump and throw, not like turning a, a double play type of situation. So okay. for him, you know, like, especially in the last game against the Cavs where uh, he would do a jump pass right to Mitch, Mitch is staring right at the basket and the ball just falls out of his hands yep. and it goes in for a transition. And then actually what happened after that, I believe was uh, quickly committed the foul. And then because he didn't want a fast break uh, opportunity, got his third foul. Peyton had to come in and then Peyton started scoring. So it's like those little things where one yeah. turns into another and it just kind of explodes from there. So, you know, I mean, he's learning. He's, you can see the process and the playmaking that's starting to arise from there. And it's just so awesome to see. I don't even really want to call him a microwave scorer off the bench because it feels like he's doing this on I such think, a macro way. I think that belittles what what he's doing yeah. because the so the playmaking is coming along. My favorite moment today, and I um, 
I think I tweeted it out. It was, I think it was, it was definitely in the first half where he drove and it was a simple pass, but they were, they were playing the drive well and he kicked it out to Alec Burks and Alec Burks made a three. And that's a, again, it's a simple thing. Point guards got to be able to like drive lane and hit open three point shooters, but we haven't seen quickly do as much of that um, early on in the season. And the fact that he's starting to do stuff like that is great. Um, the, I mean, I think we're at the point where doesn't like CJ McCollum now have to be the ceiling that we're expecting undersized, but, not quite a point. Well, but maybe even more of a point guard than CJ McCollum. I don't know. The floater is just so damn good. And I buy the shot. I I'm I, he could defend ones at the very least. I think you probably defend some twos. Like this is, this is great. So yeah, yeah a, a plus, um, Let's give one more good and then one more bad, and then we're going to go to KP. Um, RJ Barrett uh, took on the challenge of going one-on-one against Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi got him a few times as one of the top three players in the NBA is want to do occasionally. Uh, but I thought he more than held his own, uh, had a really good game, seemed like this game was a little bit personal to him and Julius Randle. And uh, I just – it's more and more and more every game on both ends for RJ Barrett. I think we're, we're seeing – it's like you, I feel like we, I often read about like Zach Lowe stands out in my head when he writes about a guy that's been popping over the last like couple weeks or like couple months. And you're like, this is this player making the leap. It feels like we're watching that right now with RJ Barrett. Yeah. And I mean, Clyde said it best that RJ opportunity for an all-star game next year. And that's what it really feels like, because if this is his leap in the second season of his NBA career, because I still don't, I think he's maybe now just about played 82 games or so around there uh, in his career. Just Something short. Those lines. Yeah. Yep. I mean, again, if you're seeing this coming together and this is the second year and you would hope at least that it's an upward trajectory for at least a few more years, that's a scary thought for the rest of the league. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and he was very efficient today. He scored, I think, what, 23 points? Yeah, on, on 14 shots. At one point, he was, I think, perfect. Until the second half, he was perfect from two. He had only just missed two threes. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was just the three where, you know, I think it was like, what, 0 for 1 tonight? So, or today, it's, you know, you want him to shoot more threes, but he's doing it in such a masterful way that it doesn't really matter because the opportunities he's finding for other players as well. And you can just see him, like you're saying, figuring it out. He's becoming an all around player. Had some nice defense on Kawhi. These these are the opportunities that you you love to see for a young player, and we've talked before about how you know no player on this roster should be untouchable, and I agree with it. But now my thinking is still like, well, honestly, who would I trade for RJ Barrett? That's feasible, right? Because like you could say, oh well, Luka Doncic, Zion Williamson, all you know those types of players, but they're not going to be on the block. I mean, so let's who let's just say the name, you, right? Say the name. It's Beal. Do you put do you put RJ Barrett in a Beal trade? No, and I don't. I don't. Right. So again, like th- that's, I guess, in a, in a way, it makes him untouchable for right now. And if that's the context of him being untouchable, I'm totally fine with that because he's what he's doing is so impressive. And especially for the the exploitive, uh, the exploitation that comes with a rookie scale contract, the value you're getting is so much greater than what he's making right now at around $8 million. Yeah. And that's just fantastic moving forward. You've got two years to take advantage of that contract and next year should be the a perfect opportunity to do it. And hopefully the year after that. Yeah. Um, completely agree. Uh, it's just, it's again, it's, and it's coming at both ends too. So that's great. Um, 
we heard, we did hear this week. I, I just thought of it now uh, that the Knicks are monitoring the Levine situation. Zach Levine, you know, that's a that's a guy who would have been nice to have in there. But again, whereas maybe before the season, well, actually, no, before the season, you wouldn't have traded Pat Barrett for a Levine. But at some point during the season, the way he was going there for a little bit when he was really struggling with his shot, he would have been like, eh, maybe no, that that goes right out the window. Um, I'm going to be really curious to see how they told the line, because even um, Steve Jones had a tweet before saying he's going to be really curious to see how Thibodeau balances the um, development of both Barrett and quickly at the same time, because they are obviously both guys who um, are really good with the ball in their hands. And you have Julius Randle here. And if you bring in another guy, again, whether it's a Levine or an Oladipo or whoever who needs the ball, like, what does that look like? Um, and I, I, you know, we don't obviously have the answer to that question right now, but again, something to consider moving forward. Um, before we move on to KP, we, sh- we should mention briefly, um, Kevin Knox did not get off the bench tonight. I was, we, we've been one, we've been talking about this for a month and a half. Who's going to be out of the rotation when they're all healthy. And we had a little bit of a surprise today because Noel was announced before the game was, um, going to miss it with a sore groin, I think. Uh, so he got the, he got the Frank injury and, um, I figured that meant that we were going to see Obi Toppin as a backup five and we we're going to see Kevin Knox as a backup four. And it was not to be, uh, Taj Gibson played backup five Toppin got in there. Knox was not to be seen. Does this, are you giving Kevin Knox an incomplete on his progress report or are you giving him a, a, a poor grade right now? I don't see how you can avoid giving him a poor grade. That's fair. I mean, think about Kevin Knox. If he's not a three-point corner specialist, what is he giving you that's really positive value? He's been putting the ball on the floor and making adequate decisions. But but is over anyone else? I mean, again, I'm like... Try, I'm trying. <laughs> right. The, the fact that it took you a pause to even, like, think about what he can do on a, on a you know, constructively is is concerning. It just is. Giving I mean, nice you, effort on the defensive end. But again, like he, what the last ten games, he's been atrocious. At best, at he, best, he's been mediocre. He, he's been he's been poor. Yeah, he, he's been poor. Um, okay, so maybe he gets a uh, maybe he get we set up a parent teacher conference with uh, Mr. Knox. If you're listening to this, I love you. I love you. I love your son. But if you know if you want to call in, me and Jeremy can talk you through some some things you can do at home to help young Kevin work um, work out some of his difficulties. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Anything else before we move on to our, our uh, not celebration, commemoration of the two years um, of the Kristaps? I mean, listen, but it has a lot to do with what we're talking about. So I think we yeah. can just move forward. Um, I don't know if we're, you know, lighting like a commemoration candle or a birthday candle as a celebration, you know? Like, or what, what are the candles that, that are in churches that you light? What are that you light. Look at you. First, you call me a WAP, and now you're, you're well, demeaning I, my religion. <laughs> your my word, faith. not mine. Um, <laughs> it's a, uh, oh my God, it's not an advent candle. You put a dollar in the box and right. you light and you light, it's a red, it's a red candle. Right. And you're supposed to like say a prayer for someone that has, that has passed. Right. Oh shit. Well, whatever that is. I don't know if it's that or, or a birthday candle. It's one of the two, but I think it's closer to a birthday candle. And honestly, what about Hanukkah? Can you, you guys like Hanukkah? You That's once a year. We so this like is eight. we can do this once a year. We can commemorate the KP trade once a year. Right, but I'm saying there are eight eight different days. You don't like you don't celebrate the KP trade for eight straight days. One game for one one candle for each healthy game he's played this year. The oil only lasts so long, John. <laughs> oh the oil boy. lasts okay. longer than KP, that is true. Yeah. But we're lighting we'll light something on fire. Um so uh Dallas. Let's start with Dallas. The Dallas Mavericks, as we sit here. Are eight and twelve. You tweeted out earlier today that they are a game out of being the fourth worst team in the NBA. Sole possession, yeah. Sole possession being the fourth worst team in the NBA. It's not what you want. They've lost five games in a row. Um, they uh, Doncic came out after the most recent game and said he was happier with their effort. The previous game, he he said that I think something to the effect of guys weren't trying or didn't feel like we were trying. Um, the better the better effort game, the most recent game, notably, uh, did not feature Mister Porzingis because he sat out because it was the second of a back to back, and he is uh, perpetually recovering from an injury that happened two years ago, uh, three years ago, right? Holy shit! Yeah, happened in February of two thousand eighteen. Yeah, almost three years. Okay, February, so he's like still- February sixth. Or, oh, no, sorry. Wait, no, he, this was a city. No, this is the most recent knee injury. This was the other. Right. This is Yes. Okay. But, so we but have, that we, is compounded by the fact by the, that yes. he had ACL tear, which, you know, the weight distribution and his yep. mobility and, you know, Seven, it all, three. It all, it's all kinetic. Yes. Um, you know, and I just. Here's the thing. And I, I, I know you've been gearing up for this and I want you to have the floor. I just I want to say two really quick things. Dennis Jr. this week and g- good for him. Mm hmm. Kudos to him for being. Holy shit. Did you see that? I, I heard something fall. A, a, a roll of paper towels just fell off a shelf behind me. It's Dennis Smith Jr. saying thank you. <gasps> do you think? I or do you think it's the ghost of Dennis Smith Jr. It was like, don't talk about me. It's possible. Um, anyway. Wow. That was scary. Um, so Dennis Smith, I swear I'm not making this up. It's right uh, yeah, there. I heard it. Um, so Dennis Smith Jr., big of him, going to the G League. Um, it's what you want from Dennis Smith Jr. after we've seen him over the last year and change. It's not what you want from the, the one player that was that is still here from the Porzingis trade. So that's out there. Um, and the other thing I want to say is, you know, to everybody being like, oh, this trade was a home run for the Knicks and it's the greatest trade in the history of trades. I will never, ever, ever, ever change my opinion on two things. One, it was shitty process. 
to bank on something happening that was not a certainty. And people will listen to that and be like, you're an idiot. KD was coming if the injury didn't happen. And that's fine. We have a difference of opinion. I don't believe that. You do. It's okay. We don't say anything else about it. And the second thing that you'll never get me able to change my opinion on is I want, I would have loved to see what else was out there if they did not prioritize dumping caps, dumping. And, and I, I've seen the tree. I think bench warmer uh, made it up and, and it's to- totally valid. That said, you could have just kept Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee on the books. It's $30 million. You didn't need that money to sign Marcus Morris or Julius Randle. Marcus Morris turned into the pick that turned into Manuel quickly. There was another path forward. And I'm just, it'll always make me wonder, was there a trade out there where we could have gotten picks and a better young player? Then, So um, if, you're, if you're waiting for me to sit here and be like, greatest trade in the history of trades, I still can't do that. But, but, boy, is this a different conversation than we would have been having had most of the last two years? So, Jeremy, with that, and feel free to call me out because I know I, my opinions are not uh, not shared by most. But that's I just wanted to preface the conversation with that, and I will turn it over to you. Well, I'd say that your second point, the way you phrased it, is, is the right way to think about it. We don't know what was out there. We really no, don't. We don't. It'd be nice to know if we did. It's more when I read or hear people saying like, I, like they could have gotten a better offer. We don't have the information to go off of that. And also, if you actually go back to, the, to 2019 when he was traded and canvas the league, you're looking at a seven foot three player coming off of a torn ACL who had yet to play that year, who is in line for a huge payday, who was facing at the time a pretty serious allegation, you know, whatever it may be in terms of the, the, <laughs> whether it was true no. or not, but that, that was the case it, at the time. It was um, Package all of that together, shop it around the league. That's not the most enticing of packages. It just isn't. It's very possible that we as fans overvalue the players that are ours because they're ours. We are possessive of them. We want to make them worth more than they are. Um, I would love to know what other offers were out there. Absolutely. And I think that if you swap out even Dennis Smith Jr. for like Jalen Brunson, you're looking at this very differently. Oh, can we have Julian? Br- can we do it over again? Have I, I Brunson? would love that. And you know that because I mean, Leon Rose's first client was first client. Yeah. was Rick Brunson, Jalen Brunson's father. So, you know, it's that sort of thinking where, again, you can't just say, "Oh, well, this is the this is the trade," and I I wish that they had taken this offer, that offer. Because we don't know. But I do think the other thing is that a lot of people tend to say, like, "Oh, well, like Emmanuel quickly is not part of the." Christoph's Porzingis trade or like, you know, one thing or another, because they say, because they still would have had money left over. Listen, the Christoph's Porzingis trade changed everything. The entire complexity of the team. You've got one path that's with Christoph's Porzingis and one path without any moves that you make after you trade Christoph's Porzingis are interlinked. They're intertwined with the trade directly or indirectly. They are a catalyst. They are a result of what happened. And so, you know, like you could keep Christoph's Porzingis and, Chances are, I believe that if Christoph Rosingas stayed, hadn't been traded yet, the Knicks still would have found a way after missing out on Katie and Kyrie or whatever to go after someone like Julius Randle because it always seemed to make sense to have pairing Randle and Porzingis. There's a lot of uh, scuttlebutt about the idea of pairing them together, and we know that Mills and Perry went with him. And you know, you can you can think about them together, but what else is there? I don't know. Again, you you just have to look at the fact that. There are two different scenarios. It's not just the KP trade and what came of it. It's everything else 
You, you can't analyze involved. it in a vacuum. Exactly. It's the yeah. entire offseason. And the truth is that we really don't know what a path with Kristaps Porzingis and the leftover cap space would have looked like. You're 100% we know, right. We know what the trade and the subsequent things that followed do look like. And, you know, the one thing, the most important thing that we talk about is the best ability is availability. It's true. Over the last three seasons, right? Julius Randle played 73 games for the Pelicans, missed nine. Last season, he played 64 games for the Knicks, missed one. Only reason he missed it was to attend his grandmother's funeral. That's right. This year has played 21 games. Porzingis, the season that Julius Randle missed missed nine games, Porzingis missed all 82. Last season, he played 57 out of 65 regular season games, missed eight, and then missed three out of six playoff games because he hurt his MCL. And then this season, he's played nine of 20 possible Mavs games. That's a lot of money invested. And my big thing with the Mavs is this. I have no problem with them taking a shot at Luka Doncic because that was the right call. If you can trade your own picks for a player like Luka Doncic, totally fine. The issue is when you don't play with house money, you could get in a really precarious situation like the one the Mavs are finding them in. And that's, that's the difference between where the Knicks are at right now and where the Mavs were because the Knicks can afford to play with house money. Because they have the Mavs picks. The Mavs traded from their own bank. And this, you know, we talk about Bradley Beal and, and maybe even Zach Levine. And we'll, we'll get to Porzingis in a moment. But when I see everything about Beal, for example, it reminds me so much of the Kyrie Irving situation. when In, in Boston. Well, when he was in Cleveland. Oh, when he was in Cleveland. Sorry. Yeah. And the idea was like, well, we've got Kristaps <clears throat> Porzingis. We could trade for him and we figure it out. And my philosophy is like, no. Because you're talking about a very, the margin of error for messing up is razor thin if you do that. Yep. And of course, he went to Boston. It didn't even work out there, but Boston traded the Nets picks. They traded their own, they didn't trade their own assets. They traded Boston, they traded Brooklyn's picks for Kyrie. Because they had Irving. a surplus. And they had a better team on paper. And in reality, with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, they had a complete team where they were like, we think Kyrie is the missing piece for us to go. Turns out that wasn't the case, but the gamble was worth it because they yeah. could afford to do that. And, and I think Danny Ainge like, would make that would make that gamble. And, and I say that knowing that Colin Sexton was that pick, and Colin Sexton looks like he's going to be a not a, just an all star. He's going to be a multi time all star. He's, he's been playing exceptionally well. So again, like the thing about the the Mavs too is like you look at this trade, and so many people as well have been saying like, well, you know, no matter what, it was still a bad trade. Who could expect that the Mavs would be like this? It's like, well, obviously not. You, you don't project it, but if your idea is like, well, they're only going to get late, late first round picks in return for trading Porzingis, and now everything changes because you thought wrong, then that doesn't mean that the trade is suddenly well, but again, it's also possible that both these teams can win a trade. It's not like the Knicks win it or the Mavs win it. Both can be successful. Both can lose it too. But again, like this is how I felt from the day the Knicks traded Porzingis. It's okay to take a player who's going to make a lot of money, who you have durability concerns with, where basically right now Porzingis' only advantage in the NBA is that he's tall. And and try to use that as a winning piece and take those assets, diversify your portfolio, and when the time is right, strike for something that you really want. And the Knicks are in prime position to do that. And I'm just really excited about that. And you, I thank you. You I was waiting all week for this, and you you didn't disappoint. 
because I know you you give this stuff a ton of thought and you deserve credit for that because I you're, you're these are not off the cuff remarks. It's why when we talk about trading for Lonzo Ball or trading for Victor Oladipo, you're not trading for Lonzo Ball and you're or Victor Oladipo. You're trading for the right to pay Lonzo Ball his next contract. You're trading for the right to potentially give Victor Oladipo his fifth year. Um, and we, we could talk about the you know wisdom of those things in a separate conversation, and we probably will. Um, but the Knicks, the 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 Mavericks were paying for the right to give Kristaps Porzingis a max contract. Um, and I think that is one part of the conversation. I, I guess you could argue it is the most important part of the conversation. And just you said I I have I, I know you've done it too. I've I've canvassed the league back then, and the two things that have always made me wonder are Bagley in Sacramento and SGA in LA um, now, now with Oklahoma city. And I think it's fair to assume that given the Clippers offseason plans and the fact that they succeeded in executing those plans, um, maybe they weren't dying to have Kristaps Porzingis and his, what was the cap hold? Was it 17 million or 20? The ca- his cap hold, it was 17 million. Okay. Maybe they weren't dying to have that on the books. And if the Knicks had traded for Marvin Bagley, again, just for argument's sake, something tells me they wouldn't have gotten two first-round picks from the King. Something tells me it would have been more like Bagley and one protected first. Um, and how would we be feeling right now? Uh, you know, and I, and I guess the only other two things I think are worth adding, because it's it, this is just so multi-layered this conversation. And that's why I, I don't like to talk about it on Twitter because it's not a, it's not a conversation you could have into it. It's, 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 no, it's, it's no. you know, you, you've one tweet and then everyone either yeah. reads into it differently. And before yeah. you know, it, it's like, I, I have a thread here, but no one really cares. And it's, yeah. it, it has to be spoken. It can't it, be written out is, um, and this is kind of funny, but like, could the Knicks maybe use a guy like Tim Hardaway jr. On their team right now in the right role, third, fourth option. Maybe a little bit. Um, that said, I don't. I don't terribly miss him. So, but that's more. That's more of a devil's advocate point that I just wanted to throw in there. Um, and then, uh, what was the other one? Oh yeah, the Mavericks. I mean, we're all dancing on their grave right now. They're not. They're not going to be a. Uh, what's their winning percentage? 40 percent. So they're not going to be a four a, a four hundred team the rest of the year. They're they're going to win more games, and and that's fine. But the fact that they have even put themselves in this hole. And 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 opened up the door to the possibility that this is a lottery pick. Like, my goodness, um, that is just that's why you do that's why you do a trade like this. Um, and then there's the, there's so many other layers to it. Like this trade got Steve Mills fired. Yep. So if you want to talk from a Knicks fan perspective, if you're analyzing the trade from 18 different ways, the only one that you really care about is that Leon Rose is in this job right now, right? Because yeah. Steve Mose made this trade. So I've got one more for you. Please. If the Knicks don't trade away Tim Hardaway Jr. and they keep him on the team, it's possible that they win enough games yeah. where they get out of range for the top five pick where a guarantee of getting a top five pick. It was a really good point. top five this this you know in that draft class. Obviously, you have Zion who's elite. You've got Ja who's elite. You've got RJ who's progressing very well. DeAndre Hunter is taking a significant step forward. Garland's been injured, but he I mean he played pretty nicely against the Knicks and he's he's putting games together. What happens if you fall like the Timberwolves who I believe or excuse me the Suns who fell from third to sixth, and then the Timberwolves traded up from eleven to six and got Jared Culver? What happens if the Knicks wind up with Jared Culver instead? 
And and they have Tim Hardaway Jr.'s contract still in the books. Fuck they have that. Imagine Courtney if they didn't Lee's. draft R.J. Barris. That, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying is that in that draft class, there's a chance that they fall below where they don't get a, a top three pick. And that's a problem. And now we're seeing the fruits of that awful season you know, developing right before our very eyes. Yep. And to think that Christoph Porzingis could have been the reason because not trading him and then having to pay him and still having Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee on the books and trying to figure things out like that, that's just a recipe for a mediocre team. It was the best opportunity they could have had. And right now, I mean, again, we, you know, we want the Knicks to do well. But as I'm looking at Tankathon, you know, they're sitting 11th in the, from the top. The Mavs yeah. are tied for 8th. Um, the Knicks are three and a half back of the worst record. I mean, they're, they're a game away from being tied for the fourth worst record. Like Again, it, it doesn't take a whole lot to just, just get there. And the West is really competitive. Yeah. So the bottom line is if you can walk away with two top, let's say, 16 picks, that's a great position to be in. But Man. And later, we're, I'm sure we're going to talk about this, the idea of like the Knicks have a, have a league average net rating. So we know that they are a legit medium good team or like, you know, average team, if you will. They're not a bad team. No, Austin, they're not. Austin Rivers, whatever it was, the fourth, fifth, sixth game of the season. I've been on bad teams before. Right. This is not that. Right. And and later we will get into the idea, I'm sure, of like, well, what happens if the Knicks just say like, well, we're still going to try for the 12th, you know, for the, for the planned game and getting 10th. But like, what happens if we finish a few games out of it? And we're also like in range for a top five pick. And we know that next year, we can absolutely go for it and become that playing team. And well, let's again, we'll, we'll let we'll let the you know things fall as they will. But it's just to me, it's a fascinating thing to think about because with Porzingis, the whole mindset was like the reason the Knicks didn't do better in the 2018 draft was because they wanted to build around Porzingis, and they brought in Tim Hardaway Jr. and, and they, they started they had, 16 and 13. Right, and they had other players that were good enough to get them up there. Porzingis goes down. I think the Knicks had the second worst record. Uh, in the NBA from that point to the end of the season, just behind the Suns. So again, it's this idea of like, you can't really take any steps back with Porzingis in that situation because you're committed to it. I think um, what you need to ask yourself as a friend. So like back then, again, they were 16 and 13. It looked pretty good. It didn't feel like this. This feels like there has been an organizational reset that someone literally hit the reset button on the entire franchise. Um, in terms of how they think, in terms of how they prepare, in terms of how they see themselves, in terms of do they still see themselves as losers? Because I still think even then, like it was like, when's the other shoe going to drop? As opposed to now, it feels more like, how can we take the next step? Which on the surface runs counter to the scenario that you just posited. But I don't necessarily know if that's the case. And the only other thing I want to say about Porzingis, and then we'll move on from that son of a bitch, is the day after the trade, I wrote something, and I, or maybe it was a few days after the trade, whatever it was, and I essentially said, here's why you trade him. Because everybody who criticized the trade at the time, they had one thing in common, which is that the Knicks cannot get out of their own way. Their organization is a disaster. And now they trade their best player. He was butting heads with the with the team at the time, right? With the organization, with the front office, the whole thing. Like, how would you have ever hoped to recover in a real genuine way with someone there who thought that little of everything that went on 
inside the walls of Madison Square Garden. And yeah, you could say, well, they could have fired everybody like the Knicks ended up doing. I don't know. I don't know if that kind of level of stink that he thinks that he thought of this team at the time ever really wears off. To me, if you're going to have a culture reset, you got to, again, you really truly have to have a reset, which is, I think, what they did this offseason. What you're bringing up, and this is a good, good place to kind of bring us home, is how do you toe this line? Because now you've embraced winning, right? You've embraced, like, we are going to go out to try to win every game. Can you still do that? And then with 15 or so games to go, be like, all right, Julius, you're going to take a seat. Um, Who else? Alec, you're going to take a seat or maybe play for a different team. Well, like, what do you, what do you do there? So I just want to be clear. I mean, and you know this, but front offices can take a step back. The the coaches and the team itself, the the roster players, they don't No, The goal here is still like, we're going to win. Obviously everyone's aware of the situation. Um, but I Coaches think, don't tank, players don't tank, front offices tank. Right. Um, but I, I, like, that's the thing. I, know, I wouldn't even call it tanking in this situation. I know you're absolutely right. Um, but it's this idea of, especially with a play-in tournament, that it's like, okay, well, maybe we're five games away from the eighth seed, but we're only three games away from the 10th seed, for example. Like, that's a difference we can make up. And so having that play-in tournament, this is why the NBA created it, to avoid tanking. So teams can say, like, we're close enough to get there where we can really do something. And I guess the question is, because realistically, I mean, like, I, I don't see how much the Knicks can sell on anyway. Like, even if they were sellers, it's what? We're talking maybe Alec Burks, uh, maybe Merlin's Noel. We're not talking know. about Randall. We're just talking about the other guys. Right. And, it's, it's more like, the ancillary pieces. I mean, like, again, and we'll probably have this discussion, too. Like, what do the Knicks do in the idea of, like, with Mitchell Robinson? We will we will broach that. I, again, like, it, yeah. it's just something that we have to talk about. Yeah. So the idea of, like... Outside of that, I mean, like Randall's not going anywhere. Like you said, RJ is not going anywhere quickly. Sure as hell isn't. And Obi Toppin's not going to go anywhere. So the idea of like, well, if you're still like in 11, if you're in 11th place or 10th place, right? Even if you trade some of your best players and just kind of like try to hoard assets and then consolidate them in some exciting way, you're still within the opportunity of being able to make a play in tournament for playoff basketball. That doesn't go away. And it's the, like the margin is so close, right? I mean, like just looking at it right now, the Knicks are in ninth, Orlando's in 10th. Orlando's yep. a half game back of the Knicks in 10th. And then right after that, you've got Orlando tied with Chicago. Mm-hmm. You've got Miami a half game back of Chicago. And you've got Toronto tied with Miami. So again, like it's just one game that could be the difference. Yeah, and, and Toronto, I mean... I mean, Toronto's much better than their... Well, than all their due line. respect to Tom Thibodeau and what he and the Knicks have been able to achieve this year. They're not a better team than the Raptors. They're not a better team than the Heat. On paper, absolutely. I, I agree. I, you know, you want, to, you want to tell me that the Cavs are going to fall back down to earth? You want to tell me that the Hornets are going to fall back down to earth? You want to tell me even maybe that Atlanta takes a step back? Right. Um, I'll th- believe all enough, of that. There's yeah. enough uh, parity here yes. where the Knicks could hypothetically take a step back without even taking a significant step back on the court. Yes, yes, And yes, that yes, is yes. something I think that really needs to be examined by the team because, sure, it's it's not all – it's not about this year. It never has been. It's not, It may not even be about next year. But the idea here is that you can still have your cake and eat it too by trying to play competitive basketball until the very end of the season where you have a chance of getting into the playoffs in some capacity versus like just taking yourself out and watching yourself spiral. That's not going to happen. It's not going to be the second option. 
they're still going to be within range. And that to me is the most ideal situation. Should they decide, you know, like, well, let's consider the long-term aspects here too. If they try to say, we love where we're at, we're going to stay put. All we're going to do is try to take on money and some sort of salary dump with a three-team trade. I I can live with that as well. There's so many opportunities that are out there, which is really exciting, but it's just a matter of like, and this is where the next, what the Knicks have played 21 games right now. I think they've got 37 this year. Uh, The first half. So 36. Okay. So So they have 15 games left. That is the quote unquote all-star break. Um, And then after that day, they'll probably have a few games and then it'll be the trade deadline, March 25th. So um, it's going to be a lot of fun, but again, like all of this, is related to Porzingis because you know that the idea of taking a step back would not be considered. It would no. not, it would not be a possibility. I don't, I don't, again, he was not on the same page as the organization. So the idea that you were doing anything with him where he was on the same page legitimately is what, what you were trying to do. Um, is, he wasn't is, good enough to, to stay, you know, to overstay that of a front office. No. Like if, there, um, if there's going to be turnover, he, Joel Embiid is a superstar, right? Daryl Morey is not going to trade Joel Embiid. If it came to a situation where Leon Rose comes in and Kristaps Porzingis is there, he's going to want to make his own, have his own fingerprints all over the organization. Yeah. He's probably not going to say like, I'm going to keep Kristaps Porzingis because he's going to want to mold his own team. I predict. So here's the thing about the league right now. There's only three tank. Again, tanking is a bad word because these teams are still trying to win. They're, they're tears. Allegedly. There are three shithole teams. Like that? Is that a good description of the bottom tier? <laughs> yes. Um, apologies. I, I know we do have uh, parents that listen that apparently put that occasionally put this on in, in front of their children. So I will I will try to monitor my language. Um, Let three, them learn. Let them learn at a young age. <laughs> three uh, poopy hole teams: um, Minnesota, Washington, and Detroit. Uh, those teams do not appear to be going anywhere. Although it wouldn't shock me if the Pistons made a little run because Dwayne Casey is a good coach. Um, Although, okay, let's just put those in their own bucket. After that, the bottom of the league looks like this. New Orleans, Dallas, Sacramento, Oklahoma City, Houston, who's been great since they traded Harden, by the way. Miami, Toronto, Chicago, Orlando, the Knicks, Hornets, Cavs. I I don't see the obvious team in that group that's like, oh yeah, they're definitely going to be the fourth worst team when all is said and done, or that they're definitely going to be the fifth worst team that all is said and done. So I think the Knicks are going to be pretty easily able to like fight hard for the playoffs, the whole, or the play in, whatever you want to say it the whole way through. And if I had to guess, cause I feel like too often we, we have these discussions in like a binary way where it's like, okay, either you're tanking and you're selling off assets for whatever you can get, or you're making a push to win, you know, full on. I think the Knicks are, and I've, I've kind of been echoing this sentiment for a while. I think the Knicks are going to try to toe the line. I think they're going to try to use their cap space for their advantage. I do not think that they are going to sacrifice um, any significant future assets. Um, what defines a future, a significant future asset? Again, I'll, I'll repeat myself. The two ones that are on that dividing line to me are Kevin Knox on the player side and the 2023 Dallas pick on the asset side. And do they put either of those guys, either of those items on the table? You know, I don't know. But in terms of everything else, utilizing cap space, Frank Nolakina, Dennis Witt Jr., second round picks. Like, I think all that stuff's going to be on the table in an effort to get better, not only this season, but moving forward. 
or potentially moving forward, which could mean trading for an expiring contract, but with the understanding like, yeah, we're trading for an expiring contract, but because we want to re-sign this person in the offseason. That's what I think they'll do when push comes to shove. I think you made a great point, though, and it shouldn't be overlooked, where, yes, we talk about the idea of buying and selling, but it's also the Knicks could do both, hypothetically. They They don't just have to trade off players for picks. They could try to trade one young player for another young player and try to just, you know, change up the positionality of what's going on. They don't necessarily have to be like taking a step back. They could try to do both buying and selling and then, and just be where they're at. And if they're at a net neutral in terms of assets from where they started, then that's, that's not the worst thing because it really depends on what asset you've then taken in. And especially from a salary perspective. I mean, we talked, uh, there's some conversations, there's some conversations about JJ Redick and the idea of where he's from Brooklyn. I must have missed Allow me to peruse Twitter while you're talking. Was there an official report that like they were looking to move him? The Shams, I believe, had written an article saying that the Pelicans were thinking about moving. Oh, him, him and Ball, that article. Okay, right. I saw but there was that. a new yeah. one today or yesterday. Okay, so that I missed. Yeah, uh, the idea of sending JJ Redick to the Sixers, the Nets, or uh, the the oh, there's a third team. Well, I'm, I'm looking it up because you're. Sixers, Nets, or Celtics. And if you're looking at the assets that those teams have, I mean, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? It just, it, I, the Nets don't really have the contracts to match. And why would they want JJ Redick? He doesn't fill a need. Oh, um, I see. The idea of Danny Green could go. But again, like, I think Danny Green's a, a better player right now than JJ Redick is. Uh, you could probably cobble some other salaries together, make something work. Who knows? The, the Celtics, it's a, Tough situation for him to be in that. But like, I wouldn't want the Knicks to trade for JJ Redick, but I could understand if they, you know, if they were somehow involved where not as buyers, but yeah, three team deal. Again, like, I don't know how in demand JJ Redick in his worst season is. What does Mr. Redick make? He makes $13 million. Does he now? Yeah. That's, That's a interesting. lot. That's a lot for, you know, an older player because a team like the Sixers, right? They need salary. If they don't have future salary, they can't make trades more easily. And that's why, so you know, because like their bigger contracts are Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, and then they've got like Seth Curry. So if Danny Green walks at the end of the year, for example, they don't have salary that they could just easily use to, to make an upgrade that they want. Yeah. Yeah, I think. And JJ so- Redick doesn't help them with that because he's also expiring. So I will. Um, I was going to save this for the for the newsletter, but I'll, I'll echo it now. Um, I, I I was told um, the Knicks are looking to get involved, and I think I actually may have mentioned this. I forget what I write in the damn newsletter. I apologize. The Knicks are, are are keeping tabs not only on certain players, but they're looking to get involved potentially as a third team. You as know, they should as they should, and that's um, I, that's not I sh- I shouldn't act like that's breaking news because it's obvious any idiot could figure that out. Um, so you're listening to this idiot right now. So congratulations to you. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, but like that's but 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 there's the there's again the idea of like using your money, using your cap space to take on ba- like a bad player or a, t- a tough situation where a team has a good player that they like and that other people would like too, but they just need to move him somewhere. And the team that it, that they're trying to make the deal with doesn't value that player as much or would rather have like the cap relief or would rather have a pick or would rather have whatever. And then they need a home. So it's essentially, and, and in that sort of situation, 
you may have the Knicks giving up a small asset to take that player into their cap. So it's not a cap dump in this traditional sense because they are giving an asset as opposed to getting an asset for taking the player, but you're getting a good player at a cheaper cost in assets than you otherwise would be able to. And that's what I think the Knicks are looking to try to do. Yeah. So exactly. we'll see if they can pull it. I mean, and look, we got the right guy behind the, uh, I mean, you, you are actually Brock Aller since nobody's ever seen him. It's true. And I, I'm, you know, I'm sorry to break that news here, but um, it's about time. I had my deep throat moment <laughs> for people who don't understand that analogy. Uh, read a book don't say anything just no, because if just you, leave it otherwise it's just leave it for the kids no just right. leave right. it for the kids um it's, yeah i'm already regretting saying it but that's that's no his, that's US no history no for there are no um, reg- this is no regrets <laughs> no regrets this is no regret podcast uh I, I feel like if we didn't at least touch upon bradley beal and zach levine just a smidge sure doing ourselves a disservice all right um uh, as as hold on this is live podcasting when's the salmon gonna be ready babe I'll put that sucker in. We could get this done in 15 minutes. Okay. We're having salmon tonight. It's very delicious. It, oh, it, uh, air fryer. Ooh. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. We got to talk because I, uh, I need to buy an air fryer. I'm convinced. It'll I'm change convinced. your life. Yeah. Uh, this is what uh, the people came to, came to hear. Air fryers um, and salmon. And air fryer. <laughs> <laughs> and and the ghost of Dennis Smith Jr. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, let's talk about Beal first because so I wrote about him a, a little bit for the newsletter. Um, I, I don't see, I don't see the world where the risk is worth, where the risk is worth it. Cause if, if you're, okay, there's two paths I could see the Knicks going to potentially acquire him a path where they're like, no, 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 no. We're going to keep Julius Randall, RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly. We want to add Beal to that core. Um, in which case you're giving up a whole lot of picks. We don't need to talk about specifically what the picks are, but it's a lot of picks. And I'm sure those picks will carry with them real downside risk if Beal were to leave and potentially even if Beal stayed. Maybe, although I doubt the latter, because if he stayed, then you'd have at the very least a good, competent, like mid-tier playoff team that maybe has a world where they get to something else. Okay, that's path one. The other path is, well, shit, we got this kid quickly now. Um yeah, sure. Maybe we'll give you quickly for Bradley Beal. You're not getting much else. Um, and try to parlay him into your star. It'll take a pick or two in addition, but maybe the protections change or maybe like it's a it's swap instead, whatever. Um, I don't know if either of those paths is one I want to walk down right now, considering Beal is not making you a contender this year. And he's in all certainty, likelihood, whatever, going to make you a contender next year. Do What am I not seeing here? Are you on a different path here? No, I'm on the same path with you. The thing that I'm most interested in Bradley Beal is what the trade will look like because I want to see what precedent he sets in terms of trading for a top scorer of his magnitude. Because that, like, that, let's face it, I, like, I don't see Bradley Beal as good as he is, and he is very good, especially in the offensive end. I know where you're going with end. this. I know where you're going with this. I don't see him being added to this team helping him. It, it mm. feels too early. And so, look, I mean, I've, I've, I will believe it when it happens, or rather, you know, like, I'll, let, me, let me start over. 
I strongly believe that in 2023, the reasons why the Knicks are loading up on future assets is to make a run at Devin Booker. I just do. It, it, it makes a ton of sense when you think about all of the factors. And if you focus on Bradley Bill now instead, you know, he's 27 years old. That's not ancient by basketball standards at all. But you also have to consider the fact that RJ Barrett's still only 20 years old. Emmanuel quickly is 20 years old. 21. 21. Thank you. He can drink. That's true. Um, I'm having a these, cocktail right now, actually. I hope so. I hope uh, so, too. These picks, you know, like they're valuable, but there's also a chance that these picks become more valuable with the players. They could, you know, the value could dip there, too. But this idea of like, it takes a long time for good young players to become great. It doesn't take a couple of years. It takes guys when they're in their fifth, sixth, yeah. seventh seasons to really take that leap. I mean, think about it like this, right? Kawhi Leonard, an elite player, at one point, I mean, maybe a season or so ago, could could have a claim as the best player in the NBA. And he thrived for that championship Spurs team. He sure looks like the best player in the NBA today. Yeah, well, absolutely, he did. But, yeah. but for that Spurs team, for example, he played a supporting role that he dominated. And then he took a step forward. And he dominated, I think, in even like year three, year four. And then he just got better from there. And it's this idea of like, RJ is really good right now, if you consider everything. But he, if he can still take that leap, and he, he just needs a few more years. Well, and the timing doesn't overlap for me. That's the biggest problem with Beal. You're and, you're you're a couple years too um, too short in terms of the overlap. And I also don't think that, again, as good as Bradley Beal is, that he is a difference maker for that team. There is no legitimate alpha. There's no guy on this roster that in the next three to four years, if you include Bradley Beal to that that I think becomes a top 10 player. Because if you don't have a top 10 player, then you're in trouble. Maybe RJ, you know, like four to five years from now, that that helps him. But, you know, you, you don't want RJ to be that guy right away because he might not be able to be that guy right away. I, and that's okay because he's, he's got time. It just doesn't marinate as long as you want it to. And that's why my eyes are more geared towards 2023, where again, you can be whatever you want this year. Next I, year, you make the play-in tournament. Yeah. The year after, you are in the playoffs, no play in tournament, full stop. You are showing clear cut progression. I think they And make, then you've got no, all these assets that you I'm can sorry. Trade. They're making I think they're making the playoffs next year. It's very popular. I think this they, year? Next year. Next yeah. year. I think they're gonna make the playoffs next year. It's Maybe great. the play in tournament this year. Definitely playoffs next year. Here's the thing I want to say. I think we as fans and I do this all the time, because I write about team building a lot, because I'm as interested in it as you. We get so caught up in the, okay, well, if you make this move, this is your ceiling, right? That's not always the case because you don't know when you're going to be able to trade a DeMar DeRozan for a Kawhi Leonard, right? Or you don't know when you're going to be able to parlay a Shea Gilgis-Alexander into a Paul George because Kawhi Leonard wants to sign with you. Or you don't know when you're going to be like, there's, especially in a major market like New York, like there's always another move to make. Um, And so like, I want to acknowledge that at least me saying that I don't think it's the right move to trade for Bradley Beal is not because it's like, okay, so you trade for Bradley Beal. And then what do you have? You have a, 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 a spunky 50. That's not it. It's it's about, again, taking things one step at a time. And I just, I'm not going to repeat it. You said it really well. Um, and to your point about it takes players time to progress. Um, you know, I'm going to do the thing that it's never wise to do, but fuck it. I'm going to do it anyway. Um, Bradley Beal rookie year per 36 minutes, 16 points, uh, four, 4.4 rebounds, 2.8 assists, 
um, 38% from three, 41% from the field. Emmanuel quickly, rookie year, per 36 minutes, 22.5, 4.1 rebounds, 4.9 assists, 38% from three, um, just under 40% from the field. So, I don't know. Just throwing it out there. Like, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, and I think the one logical argument that you could say is like, well, you get Bradley Beal, obviously depends on the cost. You got Beal, RJ, and Randall. Maybe you still have quickly, but again, the Warriors, uh, Warriors, excuse me, the Wizards would love a player like quickly in picks. It, it, it makes, what, by the way, that's who I think is going to wind up with Bradley right. Beal. It, it, would, it would take a lot to get him. And other teams like the Pelicans, I think, have a they have so many assets at their disposal and they need shooting and they're starting to click. Like They are a team that could, could conceivably blow the Knicks out of the water to the point where Knicks could afford it, but it would really hurt them in the long run. But let's suppose that Knicks, the Knicks did get Beal. You're looking at Beal, RJ, and Randall, and then you re-sign Randall, and then maybe you re-sign Mitch for all you know. But you could then try to figure out a way to get that that elite player, that top ten player. But how are you going to do that? Because free agency, there's none this upcoming year. Because I don't think Kawhi's leaving. 2022 again, like there's really no one. It basically means that in 2023, you have no choice but to go all in you- on like Embiid. Or you make Jokic, it, I was about to say, you, you make Jokic, a trade. Then, you trade right. for, you trade for Embiid. You, if you, you trade for Cat. You tra- right, but you if know. you trade for one of those guys and it doesn't pay off, because now you've, like, with the Beal trade, you've traded a lot of your picks in the near future. You, then you box you yourself get, into a corner. Right. That's what you do. Okay. You, you, are, you are capping your ceiling, yes. right? So, like, even if it's Cat, for example, and you're rolling with RJ, Cat, and Beal, you know, as crazy as that is, because it, and it's not going to happen. But the point here is that you that are much. now limited to that ceiling because you've just traded your future picks for cat. And you are actually in a very similar situation to the Mavericks in the sense that you've got a better team than the Mavericks have right now, but you are all in on this core. And it also Look at reminds you bringing me in some it ways. Full circle. Exactly. And this it, is not ways, your first rodeo. It is most certainly not. In some ways, it also <laughs> reminds me of the mellow years, which was like, yeah. again, you know, the Knicks could have probably made more adjustments, but they also yeah. like, that was their team. That was the highest they were going to go. And, you know, I'm sorry. I, I aspire to have something a little bit higher no, than the mellow years. You don't take the cake out early because you're hungry. You, you, you leave it in. Exactly. Sometimes you do if there's some outside force that's an incentive to do it. And let's be realistic. Sometimes that outside force is a GM making moves for his job. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the we have the luxury of we know that Leon Rose does not have to. Leon Rose, by the hire of Tom Thibodeau and what this team has done already, he's bought himself. I don't know how much runway, but he's bought himself some runway. And that, that is absolutely, that matters. Um, I don't know what I was thinking about this as well. You know, like the biggest thing with the Knicks, yes, it was the losing, but you also talk about Dolan in a lot of ways where people would be concerned because when things went well, Dolan still found a way to, to make things messy. Like the Rockets game last year when they won in Leon Rose's first game there. And then you have the Spike Lee, literally, you know, like Spike gate with the actual entrance, the gate of the, of entering. It's like, you, you know, one thing after another. And I think Spike nice, gate gate, like, right. Spike gate gate. <laughs> um, and you know, the, the one thing about not having fans in the building and the one thing about Dolan just being so far removed is you've removed any trace of a PR fiasco because he's just not in the spotlight. Uh, and that I makes see. the Knicks look so much better because they're like right now there are no distractions. There's no issue of like, Oh my God, 
what is the biggest problem? Like we've said, yeah. the biggest thing we've talked about has been Alfred Payton starting over Emmanuel quickly. And yet Emmanuel quickly is playing more minutes than Alfred Payton and he's yes, closing he down the stretch. And yes, that's totally is. fine. And, you know, so you, you try to think about that and that is a tremendous runway to work with. Absolutely. So again, like it's this idea of, of waiting just a little bit. You don't have to go all in and splurge. You can take these steps. They don't have to be big leaps. And that, that's just a really awesome place to be. And I, I, you know, I can't, I can't emphasize enough how happy I am that we can watch competitive basketball and say like, this is where the Knicks are at in terms of the assets. And I, I guess to, the, the one thing I'll say in regards to Zach Levine is I like Zach Levine in theory a lot more than I like Zach Levine in reality. I was more interested in him. I looked at the on off splits that he has with cleaning the glass. Let me put it this way. They're ugly. They really are. The one thing is that on the defensive end where he's been a train wreck, his best year was when he was just average was when he played under Tom Thibodeau. I, and his, his offense, he's gotten better. Yep. It's still murky. It's not great. He's, he's one of the, I, I'm going to throw this out there. I think he's one of the 10 best shot makers in the league. And that's, he is. that's uh, what's fit. Damning, I just don't know. Praise because a lot of those shots are, because he knows he's one of the 10 best shot makers in the league. Right. And he takes some shots that he probably should. The percentages are there. The uh, the the efficiency. And you can't you cannot look at Zach Levine's numbers and be like, oh no, he's a bad. The efficiency's there. There's no argument looking at the numbers. Um, that, that to me is the difference as well. Or one of the bigger differences between Bradley Beal and Zach Levine, because Bradley Beal is an elite player on a terrible team, and Zach Levine is a really good player on a bad team. But if yeah. you take Bradley Beal off the Wizards, they're atrocious. If you take Zach Levine off the Bulls. I'm, are, are we sure that they are that bad? I don't think we um, are. I think they're worse. I, um, yeah, but they're not incrementally, you know, expansively worse than they would be without him potentially. And <sighs> that's, that's again, the concern I have where is it fool's gold? Or what are why you, you getting with that? That's Kimmel? why you hire a. I've said this before on this podcast. That's why you hire a Tom Thibodeau. So you sure. get a, so you get a quote unquote distressed asset like Levine. And I, I, I understand that calling a guy who may very well make an all-star team this year a distressed asset may seem silly, but if you believe there is a world where a Zach Levine can go from borderline all-star to, holy shit, this guy's leading the league in scoring efficiently for a winning team, then you can argue that right now he's a distressed asset in terms of what his value could be. I don't know that that is his real potential ceiling value, and that's why we have to trust the people making the decisions for the New York Knicks. Do you make that play? Personally, given how he started this year out and given what I imagine it would cost to get him, I am not in the I'm not going to be in the Levine market. It sounds like neither are you. Nope. Um not we talked about Beal, you know, Oladipo, who knows? Um we'll see. You know, those are the three guys that I and, and then and then we, we talk about again the type of trade that we've mentioned before where the Knicks are acquiring a good player for um you know a cheaper cost in assets, which I think that's the route they're gonna go. We'll see. All right. I think we did this one justice. We we lit the candle. Um the paper towels fell. Um what else? We talked about deep throat. You talked about deep throat. I, that's well now you did too. So I said deep. Gotcha there. Said it twice. I'm not going to say it a third time. Um, 
this is just you, this is uh gosh where are we we're almost 300 episodes in and i don't even know where we are we're in the wilderness finding our way uh jeremy cohen uh thank you any anything to plug or promote before we get out of here merciful uh actually there's one thing we got to do what do we have to do we gotta talk about the oh, schedule yeah, shit okay and i should you know tip my hat to you i uh i shouldn't have gone with oh for three this past week that was on me but i applaud you for taking one to two one and two that was uh that was a well done well, capitalized on my error. Oh, shit. We have to do you. the next 10 games, too. Well, I feel like we should. Ca- do you want to count the Clippers game as within the scope of the 10? Because that, that was game 21 to 30. Or do we want to just write it off? Because I think we, both would, have, I, we yeah. both would have picked this as a loss anyway. Um, it was a competitive loss, but a loss nonetheless. So um, let's. Yeah, let's pick. Let's pick the next 10. Sure. Um, OK, so but first. OK, so the next. So this week. They, pl- uh, I'll read off both. So this week, um, uh, where the hell are we? I'm looking at the schedule and I'm like, what, 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 what day are we on? Okay. This week, um, tomorrow, today at Chicago, Wednesday at Chicago, uh, thanks to NBA 2021, um, Saturday, uh, Portland, um, at home, Sunday, Portland at home. So that's the next week. Uh, Miami at home. Miami at home. Sorry, we're not playing Portland two in a row at home. Um, Okay, those are the next four. Next six after that, at Miami, at Washington, Houston home, Atlanta home, at Orlando, San San Antonio home. And then one more? And Minnesota. That's that's 10. That's it. Okay. So first things first. Um, Next four, at Chicago, at Chicago, Portland home, Miami home. Two and two. All right. I was thinking two and two, so I'll I'll be the pessimist again and go one and three. How dare you host this yeah. podcast? Um, you but I think go... I, I get dibs on the tens. Yeah, I was about to say, you go first. Okay, so one more time, very quickly. At Chicago, at Chicago, Portland home, Miami home, at Miami, at Washington, Houston home, Atlanta home, at Orlando, San Antonio home. So five home, five road, no gimmies. No. But even Washington, because Beal's still there. No gimmies, but no like, oh, they're going to lose this game. Yeah. I, Interesting. I, I think this is going to be a five and five. It'll be a, like a very clean five and five. I, I would almost maybe even say six and four. But, you know, Miami is a, is a weird team because you got Jimmy Butler back. You have to think that four games from now, we're going to start seeing Jimmy get back into form and I mean, he, he looked, he looked pretty good. The other, 30 points. Last so I was night. about to say, he scored 30 uh, last night. Right. And that's like thin Jimmy Butler, who's lost 12 pounds. So he's going to be in the weight, weight room. Has he lost 12 iron. pounds? I think that's what I saw. Yeah. Holy shit. His arms looked really thin when he was, uh, when he was playing uh, or when he was on the bench, but he looked better now. So uh, yeah, you know, I mean, Portland is a uh, Portland, Chicago just played each other. Dame hit an amazing shot at the buzzer to, he's, to Chicago. Can we just he's too good? Like th- th- that guy. This is also what I don't understand, right? Damian Lillard has twins and just plays out of his mind. Reggie Bullock has twins and he plays like shit. It's just not fair. It's not fair. I would have thought that having children would have made Reggie Bullock twins. That would have been double the power, double the firepower. Listen, didn't matter. Sorry, Reggie, but a month from now, after my wife pops, if I'm coherent on here, you should all be thanking your lucky stars because. I just, Christ, oh my God. But this is your NBA, you know? Yes. Because you're teaching and you're also providing excellent Knicks content. 
So no, it's a little different. A little bit too kind there. All right. So you went five and five. I'm going to, um, no, I'm going to be the Donald, Donald Downer. Uh, I'm going to go four and six. Debbie Downer. Debbie Downer, Donald yeah. Downer, whatever. Someone yeah. down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go four and six, which I don't want to. Yeah. But I, if, I if they playing if, your way, though, if they did go four and six, they would be 13 and 18, right? Four and six. Yeah. That's, you know. Oh, man. 14 and 17 sounds so much better than 13 and 18, but you, you picked that. You snatched it from me, deep throat. Damn it. There's a third time. Rule of three. I'm actually in the mood to watch uh, all the president's men like a week or two ago. I think maybe I'll watch it tonight. When you said watch it and then you clarified with all the presidents oh, and then I was like, all right. <laughs> yes. It's a great movie. All the presidents men is a fantastic movie. Love it. Really well done. My wife. Really? I don't think my wife has seen it. I think maybe that's what we're going to do. Tom. I'm going to try to bang out this newsletter in an hour and a half and then put the kid to bed seven o'clock, pop on all the president's men, take in a little, little, little Bob. Little Bob Redford, young Bob Redford. Yep. Dustin Hoff, D Hoff. D. <laughs> Dustin Hoff. Some other, uh, some other nice performances in that movie. Okay, we, we're, we're done here. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening to it. <laughs> it's, just, it's just tragic. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Nick's Film School podcast. I'm going to go eat my salmon. Jeremy is going to go light candles and uh, do whatever else he does in his spare time. And we'll be back with you with another episode very soon. Yeah.